Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, we've got a two-part episode. This is the Kim Barrett Show, and I am your host, Kim Barrett. And today we have back for round two of Conscious Leadership, Mr. Harrison Fisher. Uh, now, we deal, we delve much deeper into Conscious Leadership. Uh, I think last time we got off track, I mean, I couldn't help but go down the CC's route, you know, the corn chips. I was all about that action. So this time we delve deep into Conscious Leadership, what that means to him, and where have people been lacking or really portraying Conscious leadership in these last few months. So without further ado, let's jump into the show. Harrison, good sir. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us for our part two of our conversation. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me for part two of our conversation. Part one was so much fun. I can't wait for part two. Yeah, and I was just we were just saying before we started recording, it's like we we kind of went down so many different tracks because everything you were sharing, I was like, oh, I need to know more about this. That kind of strayed from our original conversation around conscious leadership and how you're helping create conscious leaders and what that kind of looks like. One question that I did have, and I was thinking about this after our chat also is what, what examples at the moment, again, where, you know, you made light of my uh, Corona beard. So we're in the midst of the coronavirus at the moment. What examples of conscious leadership have you seen maybe coming through even since our last discussion in whether it be leaders of, of countries or companies and then have you and what are some of like the bad examples of leadership that you've seen coming through as well from your side because you know half of our audience is in Australia half is in the US so I'd love to get some just some ideas because we we can only see the leadership that we're seeing here from companies and whatnot which has been kind of interesting and so I'd love to a little bit of insight from you what you're kind of observing on your side of the yeah yeah I had a feeling you were going to ask this question and I wish I trusted that feeling more than I did You know, as an entrepreneur, I'm reading this book. It's called Relentless by Tim Grover. And I don't know how I feel about the book. It's a very interesting book. It's about, do you know the book, Relentless? I haven't heard of it. Is it, would you, do you recommend it? Tim is someone who trained Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, Charles Barkley, all these really highly successful people. And he talks about, you know, three different types of people. I can't remember all three. I know the, the one at the top is the, is the cleaner and this is the Michael Jordans of the world, people who will stop at nothing to achieve success. And he goes through all of these different categories. I think there are 13 that describe a cleaner. And, you know, some of them I, I don't necessarily agree with, which is why I'm not sure how I feel about this book. But, you know, one of the things that he talks about, which, you know, I kind of relate to is that cleaners don't really worry about the competition, right? They're not chasing competition. Competition is chasing them. They're creating the future. And so when you create the future, you don't focus as much on the competition. And so how that relates to me is I don't really spend a lot of time looking at what other companies are doing. I'm focused on what we're creating and the value that we're adding to our customer base and the service that we offer. And so to answer your question, what are some good examples of conscious leadership? What are some bad examples of conscious leadership? I have a friend 
who convinced some restaurants to start cooking up food and he's delivering them to hospitals to feed employees. That's conscious leadership. You know, it's not really building his brand or it's not making him any money, but he's doing something that's really good for the world. And conscious leadership doesn't have to show up like that, but that's an example. I feel like there are some really good examples right now that are happening and I wish I could share them with you, but I'm just not as in tune as maybe some other people are. There's things that are on the tip of my tongue that aren't coming out, but there are businesses like something that we thought of doing, but we weren't prepared to do it when, you know, we were going to launch a couple months ago before we had a manufacturing breakdown. And we decided that we were going to utilize our launch to raise money for charity. And so we would have people donate to charity and in return for their donations, they would be sent samples of product that doesn't even exist yet. And so we're, ex- we're helping people be excited about donating to charity. And we're also building up awareness for our brand so that when we do launch, we already have, you know, a thousand people who are like, this brand is so awesome. They care so much about charity, which we do, right? We do care about charity and it also attaches them to our brand. So they're like our little, this is going to sound weird, but they're our foot soldiers. They're the people that are on the ground that are going to be sharing our name when we launch. And it didn't really cost us anything. You know, they were going to cover our costs and then everything else was going to go to donations. So we'd be making no profit. Charities are happy. They're getting free money that they wouldn't have had. You know, homeless people would have been bad if this all happened. And people who were donating were doing something for a good cause and getting something in return. It was a, it was a, a win-win-win for everybody involved. So that would be an example of something that people could do in this time where they're helping a charity, they're helping people feel good, and they're raising awareness for your brand. Some examples of, of not so good conscious leadership are, you know, people that are going out, like at least in the beginning, and they bought up all of the mask supply. And then what they would do is they would sell masks to people and say like, you know, buy one and we'll give one to chari- to a hospital. But what they did was they bought the supply that the hospitals were buying, so the hospitals couldn't buy masks. So they're basically, the hospitals are getting less masks than they would have originally. These people are making a ton of profit and they're trying to put it off like, oh, we're, we're doing good, we're donating masks. But in the, in the end, they're not. And the business is only getting more and more transparent. For me, I think about the time period between, you know, like 2009 and 2020. That's kind of like the unicorn period for entrepreneurs. That's where the strategy was like, we don't care about profits. We're just going to raise as much money as we can, have the biggest valuation we can, and then sell. And then nobody wins besides the founders and maybe the early investors. These are companies like, you know, WeWork, for example, or Blue Apron or even Uber, you know, companies that they just raised capital, blew, like, you know, sold for a lot of money and then sort of started to blow up. Yeah, I think that- Like WeWork is, is WeWork is kind of like on the brink of bankruptcy, right? Like they're kind of on the, on the brink of yeah. shutting down, right? They were on the brink of bankruptcy before Corona. And now with mm-hmm. Corona, nobody going to the offices, they're in really big trouble. So that was kind of the unicorn era. And I think from once Corona- finishes or even starting in Corona till the next big, you know, crash or correction or recession is going to be what's called the zebra period. And what zebras are, and they're companies that are for impact, for profit. They're companies that act like a for profit and yet sound like a not for profit. And so that's a company like we're a business. We make money, you know, we have margins, but when you hear us talk, 
we care about the customer's health and every decision we make is for the customer's health even the decisions that they have no idea about you know that was something that i wanted to share later but in order to be a conscious leader you need to basically make decisions as if the customers in the room and actually at at kula we're thinking about actually bringing customers into the room to show us show them how we make decisions that's part of our whole like radical transparency and teaching conscious leadership but you know and i'll give you an example of the decision that you know is something that we made behind closed doors that we make in for the benefit of the the customer that they'll never ever know about but it doesn't matter right because you're either going to make these decisions or you're not and if you're someone who's going to make the non-conscious decisions behind the doors like if you're going to make decisions behind doors that the customer will never see and it's at the detriment for the customer like you can't build a two-faced brand like that's going to come out at some point and it's just going to blow up in your face and so that's why we make decisions that way and so one one thing that is like a decision behind a curtain is in the US in on food products and I know I always go to food but that's that's what I know on food products when you do your nutrition label you actually have a 20% like Gatorade on their label says that they're 32 grams of sugar because they're supposed to be like healthy I guess but in reality they have 40 grams so that's a decision that they made behind closed doors they're like oh we have a 20% I don't know why I can't think of the words, but we have, you know, 20% leniency. Let's, you know, tell the customer that there's only 32 grams of sugar. They'll never know. They'll think that they're only getting 32 when they're really getting 40 and it's not going to hurt anybody. And for a company like us, and, you know, we're talking about our monounsaturated fats and our fiber and our protein, like we could just add 20% more fiber and protein. We could say we have 12 grams of fiber and 12 grams of protein instead of 10 grams of fiber and 10 grams of protein. And, we couldn't get in any legal trouble, but it would just be wrong. That just like wouldn't be right. And there are a lot of companies out there that are bad examples of conscious leaders that would be like, oh, we can make the customer think that they're getting something healthier than they are. Of course we would do it. They'll have no idea. And we'll be able to, to make more money. And for us, that just, we believe that's wrong. And my belief is that companies that make the right decision behind closed doors are the companies that are going to win for the next five or 10 years until the next sort of change in entrepreneurship. Mm, nice. I like that. That's interesting. I didn't know that there was that level of leeway. I don't know what it's like in, in Australia, but I'm sure being that we're so closely linked to the US, we'd probably have similar <laughs> margins for error, I suppose, rounding errors. That's super interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that. So when I'm sitting there tracking my macros exactly, trying to get down my perfect protein, carbs, and fats, I'm getting stitched up. All right. You can um, easily be 20% off. So um, I'd love to know, you, you gave the term that zebra company. Where's, where does that come from? I've never heard that before. It's, I actually have a conscious leadership coach, yeah. which I'm very blessed to have. And he was the one who brought me in that term. I'm sure it comes from like some kind of big publication like the New York Times or Entrepreneur or you know, Forbes or Fortune, one of those coined the term zebra. But, you know, unicorns are companies that, you know, I described before. And so they're saying that these, this new wave of for, for profit, for impact, they're calling them zebras because I guess they're like adjacent to a unicorn. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. No, I like that. And so like, I, I don't like to get in, in the realm of anywhere of politics, but how do you see, do you think that the current leadership in America is, are they like utilizing conscious leadership just from someone who's there? Because again, I always like to look at things like I can only see what we can see and we're told from 
our side of the world of things. And I always, I'm always curious as to people that are there because, you know, there's probably conceptions people have of Australia that, you know, we don't know because we're in the country and we only see what we see. I love to know just from your side of things over there with what's happening at the moment with the way that you guys are operating and navigating this crisis because it's, I mean, you know, it's technically all being run like a very large company, right? Like the, the way that the people run kind of the, our countries at the moment. What are you kind of seeing, to, taking politics aside from the leadership that you guys have got over there at the moment? I love this, the way you put the question. I think that's a really big part of being a conscious leader, you know, what your example was. You know, in America, we're a very split country between Democrats and Republicans. And even when we want the same thing, we can never get it done because if a Republican says they want this, the Democrat says, no way, it's a Republican idea. And then the Democrat will propose the same idea and the Republican's like, no way, that's a, that's a Democrat idea. So the fact that you can, you know, take that kind of charge away is just so you know, powerful. And we're always taking charges away in our business. That's, that's a big part. You know, we're committed to a solution. We're committed to solving obesity, well, you know, doing our part in helping people take control of their health and just having more joy in their life. And so we look at everything through that kind of lens and that's how we make all of our decisions. Whether it makes us look good or makes us look bad or whatever, we don't care. That's what we're committed to. And so, you know, when I'm looking at, you know, conscious leadership from a political standpoint, the first question I ask myself is, like, what are they committed to, right? Because if, if Trump puts out a stimulus package, and that might be a bad example, but if, if Trump doesn't want to do countrywide quarantine, you know, people who are, you know, pro-quarantine are like, oh, he's, you know, an idiot or, you know, he's a bad person. He doesn't care about people's lives. But if he's committed to the economy because he believes that the economy will, you know, prevent or will be able to contain the damage of the coronavirus, then, you know, that's what he's committed to and that's how he's making his choices. And so conscious leadership, like you can't always see on the outside. It's really a lot of the inner workings, especially when you're looking at like a countrywide basis, because there's not really, yes, we have a president, but he's not making all of the decisions. To answer your question, how do I feel? Well, I do, I look at, you know, I spent a lot of time in Colombia and Colombia took a really strong stance and they were committed. They said, we don't care at all costs. We're making sure that Corona doesn't spread here. doesn't survive here. doesn't make any, any big deal. So they closed down their borders, put into to quarantine, like a really strict quarantine really early on. And they're actually still in quarantine. They're quarantining until May 25th. And it's because they were committed to preventing Corona. Here in the U.S., there are a lot of things that are going on. You know, Trump, he cares about the economy. The economy to him is the lifeblood of our country. And if we lose the economy, we lose the country. And whether that's right or wrong, that's his belief on how to save the country. And I don't, I don't think he's wrong for having that belief, whether I agree, agree with the belief or not. I think that there was a lot of sort of, you know, teeter-tottering where they would, you know, make some decisions and then go back on it and then make other decisions and go back on them. And they didn't take a strong stance, which is okay, right? Because, you know, new facts come in and you need to pivot. I'm really just trying to to get around answering the question of whether I think Trump is a conscious leader or not. Well, I mean, he isn't, but do you think that maybe that without saying he's a conscious leader or not, but like, do you think there has been elements for, like from the government as a whole 
of conscious leadership in this time because I know that when I like compare to like another country over there like Mexico where my partner's from and I get the updates and you know from her family of what's going on there it's like they've done like a, a very unconscious leadership. They've had a very unconscious leadership role there because even though other countries have passed them information and whatnot, they have not taken the action soon enough and fast enough and, you know, and, and not allowed things to happen where it's like, you know, when every other country around the world is pretty much on lockdown and their, their president is sitting in a, in a restaurant being like, no, you can still go out for another two weeks before they make that decision, you know? So I'm like, wow, that's like, to me is probably a complete flip side of the, of a conscious leadership angle for sure. Yeah. We had some really strong leaders appear in this time. Mm. And it's interesting because we're having our presidential election at the end of the year and we already have our candidates for some reason because, you know, the election process is like 50 years long. But some people came out and like made really strong candidacies that they would make good presidents. You know, people like Cuomo and I don't know how people outside of, you know, people in the middle of the country feel about Cuomo, but he... He really did a lot. You know, he sacrificed a lot of himself in order to, to help New York. He didn't care. So this is a big thing is, you know, I look at Cuomo and he did things that may make him look bad. All right. So here, okay. I'll go a little political or I'll maybe say some, some racy things and it'll, it'll make things more clear. Only, only so, say what you want to, man. It's- yeah. So I, I think that, a big part of conscious leadership is not worrying how you look. And so when Cuomo came out and he put the the New York on lockdown before anyone else in the country on lockdown and people hated him for that decision, they hated him for that decision, but he didn't care because he knew that's what, or he felt that was what was best for the people and what he was committed to, what is what's best for the people, not his image. And so that's a strong example of conscious leadership. Like these are basic words that I can't even remember. And then I'll, I'll go to the big guy. They're releasing a lot of money into the market. The market was a bubble. Like, you know, we had a 10-year bull market. We knew that we were due for a correction, you know, anytime soon or a recession. We were just overdue for that. And so Corona came in and it sort of popped that bubble. It sort of was the excuse for the market to have that correction that was long overdue. And, you know, someone thought that, the market going up might have been really important for his reelection. And I'm not saying who. And so he decided that he would put a ton of money into the market to inflate the prices and, you know, stabilize the market. And I'm not even saying this is a terrible idea. You know, I, I don't, I'm not super well read on what's it called monetary theory where they believe that you could pump money in the market and that there's no long-term consequences. I find it hard to believe that you could just print $5 trillion and that you were not going for a super huge recession in the future. I find that hard to believe, but you know, Hmm. modern monetary theater theory says we're not. And so if let's say Trump, and I'm not saying these were his motivations, I'm saying if Trump's motivation was, I'm gonna artificially inflate the market so that I look better for my reelection, that wouldn't be conscious leadership. But if Trump mm-hmm. artificially inflated the market because he thought that this will help our, com- our country have the resources to be able to fight off Corona and we're not gonna have negative consequences in the future, that would be conscious leadership. Mm. There's an interest, and this might be a more controversial one and if you don't want to answer it it's cool as well but on that it helped navigate through corona but 
you did know that it had negative long-term consequences. Is that conscious leadership if you're like, you know, like you, you're going you're gonna to get the win short-term, but then long-term you're going to have a negative effect or you could take the negative effect now. Like, or is that just really, that's just kind of like a, like a, a seesaw of, of responsibility. It's like, well, I can either have something bad now or something bad in the future. Like, which one do I choose? Yeah, it would be uh, really nice in life if everything was black and white. I think the coronavirus was really hard. You know, countries had to choose their economy or to save lives and choosing their choosing saving lives didn't mean that they were necessarily saving as many lives, right? So let me get clearer on what I'm trying to say. Basically, you know, they had that whole sort of flatten the curve thing, lockdown. If we lock down for, for six months, we're flattening the curve and then we won't get hit by Corona for six months, or we could keep the country open and keep the economy booming and hopefully have the resources to fight Corona. Well, if you flatten the curve and you keep everyone locked down, you're not killing corona right corona is not just going to go away as long as one person has corona it's going to stick around and what you're really doing is you're buying time by saving lives and so corona is a is a situation where you're kind of wrong either way it's a really hard situation you're either you know killing the economy which would kill could kill people or you're killing people which could kill the economy and so like there are decisions where there's no there's no way you can make Okay, I'm going to take that back. Thank you for giving me this question. The first rule of conscious leadership, in my mind, is you need to understand that everything is possible. Like, you know, people say it, people think that they believe it. They don't believe it until they really believe it. So, you know, for a good example is, you know, there's a, a Henry Ford quote that goes around. And he's like, if we ask the customer what they, would, they wanted – they would have said faster horses. But Henry Ford thought that there's a better way to, to travel from place to place. He's like, instead of horses, maybe we could have these big metal boxes that go, you know, 50 times faster than horses, right? Like, just imagine being in that time before cars existed to actually think that they could make a metal box that you know, could get to a destination, you know, 50 times faster than a horse. And so until you really believe that anything is possible, I love the Beyond Meat example. I may have used it last time where like before you could make a Beyond Meat, you have to look at like not a cow, but at a piece of steak and be like, we can make this out of plants. And that's really step one. Like people think that you just have the idea like, oh, Beyond Meat, we can put some plants together and be a burger. Like, no, first you have to like really get clear on it would be possible to have meat without a cow. That, that's sort of the first step, understanding everything is possible. So to bring it back to our example that we're discussing right now, everything is possible. There could be a, a solution that is both good in the short term and the long term, I think it would be very hard to find. And you know, as a leader, especially of a country, when an, when a pandemic is appearing, you kind of have to move faster than you're able to find those you know moonshot solutions. And so I kind of forgot your question. 
but I'm going to try to answer it as if I do remember it. No, that's, that's, that's perfect, man. Like what, what you said there is pretty much on point with the answer. Because it's like, it's, it's weighing up the short and long term, right? As, as, you, as you've just said, it's like there, there could be an answer for both. But again, it comes down to the amount of time you have to make that decision. It's like, if it takes six months to get short and long term positive answer, it's like, well, you just wasted six months again. So without making the decision. So it's like, it, it, it's hard. And as you said, with like the quantitative easing and the money injection and stuff, it's it's very interesting. Like, and we've had similar, not to the same extent, but I think in Australia it was something like maybe altogether like a hundred or maybe 150 billion, I think has been like the injection into the economy with like company stimulus, personal stimulus, all that sort of stuff going through. And I think a lot, like a lot of people don't know the long-term effects of that. And it's just like, well, then you look at places like that have had that, like Venezuela and stuff, then they've had hyperinflation and all these things. It's like at some point, the five trillion, the hundred and fifty billion, it's like that that money doesn't just come from thin air. Like there's something that has to happen with that with that injection. And it's like, you know, some people are like, oh, we need we need more stimulus. And especially I think like the general populace like, we need we need more money to support us and say, hang on, where do you guys think this money comes from? Like it's yeah. not just like it's not just the back pocket. It's like if you print or you add in I think they've minted I've been going down like a whole route of looking at precious metals and stuff and they printed like five uh, three one trillion dollar coins as their as their security force things and whatnot. And you look at when company uh, countries and whatnot went off the gold standard and all that sort of stuff. It's like it's it's crazy scary. And it's like I don't know the answer to it myself. I've just been like just observing, but I know that there is a we're either in the midst of or it's about to happen very soon a global financial depression and recession. So it's like right. it's it's on it's on the cards. And as you say, like it's uh, you can push things off for for a little bit, but regardless you know there's something there's there's a guy have you heard of a guy mike maloney uh, I'm not so he's sure like no. he's like a big like almost like robert kiyosaki type like future okay. pacer of like the economy and precious metals and property and all this sort of stuff and they're like uh, every i think it's like every 50 plus years there's a transition of like the powerful currency for example it used to be the british pound then it went to obviously the us dollar and a, and a range of things and it's like every between 48 and 51 years or something like that this transition of of currency happens and it's been like 48.5 years since the last one so they're kind yeah. of like well this is the midst of like a, a big lot of change coming and i think that's like a lot of companies need need to adopt this conscious leadership to be able to navigate through it because this is where it's going to be times of uh, stress for a lot of people like there'll be times of prosperity for some as well but in those times of stress they're going to be like well who are the companies that are doing the good thing the right thing looking forward so what i'd love to cover with you just quickly is for the for anyone that's listening and uh it's going well look i i think that i need to know more about conscious leadership i think that i need to focus more on that do you want to just give us a, a little bit again about the um the program that you guys are putting together to help people to be able to to become more conscious leaders as well you're always cutting me off kim we're gonna have to go part three and part four now what i love yeah, i think we could just about, talk forever yeah yeah i'll go into that but i'll just say one last thing and you know what i love about you know being a conscious leader is that you can't fail and you know i'll compare it to the personal development industry like you know personal growth and it's all about what you're committed to and so a lot of times when you're having a conversation with someone, oh, I have a great example. Yesterday, I put up a status talking about restaurants. And this is common in America. And actually, someone mentioned that it's common in Australia too, that 
meals in restaurants and meals in your home too, they're all like centered around meat. Meat is always the main attraction. And if you look at any scientific research, it states, and you know, if you do experimental research or practical research, meat should be a much smaller part of our diet than the main attraction. You know, I'm not against meat. I'm not sure yet. You know, I, a conscious leader and I am exploring consciousness and, you know, that path leads to, you know, consciousness for all living beings, including animals. So, you know, we'll see what happens as that, as I develop, I'm sure I'm heading that way, but plants should be the main dish. We should be eating 70% plants and 30% meat, unless you're a, a vegan or a vegetarian, which I don't even understand vegetarians. I think from any, any perspective, whether it's animal cruelty or whether it's health or whether it's climate change, I would say dairy cows are, are worse in all three of those, or dairy is worse in all three of those categories than meat. I think the vegetarian should eat meat and not dairy, but you know, that's, that's another story. So I, I put up a status, like why do restaurants focus their main course around veg meat and why is vegetables just a side dish when everything says that vegetables should be the main dish and meat should be the side dish. And even from a margin perspective, they can make sense. All of my friends from like high school who aren't in the personal development industry, they're like, oh my God, look at Harrison's status. Let's, let's gang up on him. And so they all like, they, I guess I had a group chat and they all commented like these sarcastic remarks. And you know, a normal person, they would get defensive and be like, you're wrong, that's it. But me in the personal growth space as a conscious leader, I'm not committed to being right. I, I, can't, I don't care at all about being right. I'm committed to the cause. I wanted to have people think about their eating habits and make a switch to become healthier and more satisfied with their food. And so every time they made a sarcastic point, I'd be like, that carries weight. Like I totally understand where you're coming from. And do you think about this other information as well? And, you know, for one example, you know, I talked about how I think veggies should be the main part of the disc. And it was like, well, what if I like meat better? They were complaining because I was talking about how nutrition is what really satisfies us throughout the day. And they're like, well, what if a good meal, it makes me happy throughout the day? And I'm like, if a good meal, a tasty meal makes you happy, I'm happy. But I feel that there has to be more factors than just taste and satisfaction or junk food wouldn't be so correlated with depression. And my friend who's, who's attacking me from like a sarcastic point of view is like, oh shit, he's right. And so, oh, I forgot that I'm not just a curse on your show. He's like, no, shoot, no, he's good, right. Good, good. <laughs> and so I ended up, because I wasn't charged, because I don't care about being right. All I care about is the health of my friends or any of my followers that the, my friends who came at me from a sarcastic point, their life is actually going to change it. They're going to make different choices and become healthier. So in conscious leadership, you're committed to a cause, a solution. And so you can never be wrong. You can never fail, you know, because if you fail, then you just pivot. And so in order to learn more about this, we're creating a group and it's not fully set in stone. What I think I'm doing is I think I'm actually going to give people an inside look of what it takes to build a conscious brand from the ground up. Like this is something that's never been done before. You know, Gary V I think talks a lot about it. You know, he likes to document his journey, but we're, I'm going to show you like from pre-revenue to launch to growth, like what it looks like to be an entrepreneur, to be a CEO of a company that 
makes decisions as if customers were behind closed doors. And we're thinking about having customers behind closed doors, not really necessarily having like input into our decision-making, but just like coming into meetings of the executive team or coming into the advisory board meetings or coming into meetings we have with our service providers where we're telling them like, we don't care what the label says. All we care about is how the ingredients impact the human body. So we're going to open the door. We're potentially going to open the door on that and let people in. And so if you go to our website, Kula.com, we'll have a link to the group. It's going to be called Inside Kula. Or if you want to be an ambassador, it's going to start from that group. That's awesome. I love that. And guys, we'll link. So if you've just heard that and missed on that and spelling, just click on the show notes and we'll have links to that and everything there. Now I get to finally ask you the, the last question, which I didn't ask you last time. I saved it for now, which is what is one question that I didn't ask you that I should have? What are the five steps to being a conscious leader? There you go. I think you did a really good job with your interview. I think I really like your style and I, and I apologize for going over time, but you ask questions indirectly. Instead of asking me the five steps to be a conscious leader, you're like, look at this country. Is it being a conscious leader? And in that, you're hoping that I, I like spill out the five steps as I walk you through it. I think it's really awesome that you do it. So I think you did a really good job. I don't think that there's any question that you didn't ask me. I guess a question that you didn't ask me would be, why be a conscious leader? We talked about how so much, but it's why. You know, I did touch on it a little bit of how I believe that there's a shift going from unicorns to zebras, where conscious leaders are really going to be the one to be successful in this new era. I think on top of that, it just feels good. You know, integrity is big in life. Like, you know, I, maybe I'm weird, but anytime I was, you know, I don't think I'm weird. I think human beings are like this. I think a lot of times we forget that everyone in the world is a human being because you don't really see what goes on on the inside. You see how people act on the outside and you're like, oh, they're, they're an asshole or whatever. But I think every single person in this world goes back and feels bad about being an asshole. Like even the biggest, oh, I, I keep cursing, even the biggest, meanest, evilest, most evil people. And as a Jew, I, I believe, you know, Hitler wasn't inherently evil. I think he did really awful, terrible, evil things. But he started out as a good human being and just, you know, over time, he had so much hurt in his life that he felt like he had to do these evil things. But I think that everybody is a human being. And it's really hard to act like not a human being in life. And so when you're a conscious leader, you're being a human being in your business. And you get to go home and be proud of yourself versus going home thinking you took advantage of someone or ripped someone off. And even if you got you get super numb because you've done it for so long, it's just such a better life to be a conscious leader. And oh, I, I forgot about the fifth step of conscious leadership. Everybody wants to be involved, like investors, advisors, partners, co-founders, employees, customers. They come to me. I don't have to do anything. People are like, oh my God, what you're doing is so great. I want to help. I want to be involved. And you could just sit back and be like, yes. And you're, people will offer you things and come off as you're giving the gift. Like I'm allowing people, I'm giving the gift for people to participate in this mission that we have. Like who doesn't want to be a part of, you know, ending obesity? 
everybody wants to be a part of it. And as a conscious leader and something we're dedicated to, people just come and say, we want in. And I'm like, yes, here's your gift. You're allowed to, to be with us. So that's a big part of being a conscious leader and why you should do it. Love that. That's awesome. And so obviously we'll have links to the site and everything as well, but if people want to connect and, and hit more about like you personally, is there a place or a platform that's best for them to connect on? No, <laughs> there's no. not. <laughs> to be honest with you. No. I, so you're not like a I, huge Twitter guy or Instagram guy or anything like that? You know, it's really funny. Like I know so many influencers that just can't stand social media. The people that are making the content just hate it. And, and I'll, I'm one of those, you know, I don't even make content and, I, and I'm going to start and, I, and I'm really going to start, but here's the deal. I'm happy to connect with anyone. So you could, you could go to my Instagram, you know, follow me and send me some messages and I'll respond. Or you'll go to my LinkedIn or even my Facebook, go to any of those Harrison Hunter Reed, you'll find me, send me messages and I'll respond. You know, I respond to people all the time. I, I don't really post much, but I'll respond. And in reality, like, you know, the reason why I don't do content is because, you know, when you do content, you really have to do, you have to answer questions that people are asking. And the thing is, people don't really know the right questions to ask. So when you're seeing my content, you're not getting the right answers. But when you message me and you get me to, you know, butt in on your situation, not butt in, but, you know, you know, talk about your situation, I'll let you know the right questions and I'll give you the right answers. So to me, that's way more valuable than any content I put out. And I'm not saying your content isn't great because your content is great, but in my Look, mind. I've got you on my content, so it's going to be good, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I love that. And it's true because you can't, you can't address everything with content. And that's why things like if you look at in, you know, historically guys like Gary Vee, where they've done the Ask Gary Vee show and he's gotten questions, he'll answer it. But then he'll also answer the question that you didn't ask, but you should have asked as well. So it gives you that, you know, that, that ability also. So I love that. So guys, wherever you are, click through and check out Mr. Harrison and, and connect and ask him some good questions, hopefully, and share this. If there's anyone you know that, you think should be investigating more about what conscious leadership is, how to be involved with it and how to be a part of it, then please do share this episode with them, share it around and uh, give Harrison some love as well. But thank you again for joining us, my man. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope everyone goes out there and they, they make a difference for someone else in their life. Beautiful. Love that. Thank you, sir.